It's episode 69. You're not a kid anymore, Chris. <laughs> Welcome to Hidden Among Us. I am your host, Chris. And this is Honda. And welcome to episode 69. <laughs> Honda's judging me, so it's okay. I mean, like, we watched um, No Way Home the other day and, like, our movie timing was 420. <laughs> Place okay. it. I mean, okay, listen, don't come for me. I just, I'm, I'm trying to um, hang on to my young years as I phase out into older, going to work full time, become like an actual employee of like, I don't know, become an actual part of the workforce and contribute to the economy kind of thing. And I don't want that. So let me just hold on to like, weird internet memes until that happens oh you know I also just realized that the the Spider-Man movies it's it's like the the series the three movies is like called the home era yeah the titles all has home yeah yeah Yeah, I only like realized that recently Oh my god. <laughs> it's just true. I think I didn't really process it that way because the first one is Homecoming, which is an event. Mm. Right? And then the second one was Far From Home and the last one is No Way Home. And I sort of kind of wish that the first film wasn't named The Homecoming. Because mm-hmm. it's like No Way Home, three words, Far From Home, three words. So if the first film was also like three words... That'd be great. Like, what what would we name it? In three words. <laughs> yeah, like far from home. No way home. Then the first one would be the way home. <laughs> no, it doesn't mean <laughs> what's homecoming. Um dang it. I can think. I mean, the only way it would be similar to coming. I mean, homecoming is coming home, but that's not the point of it. Homecoming is coming home. <laughs> that's because homecoming oh, is like an event. So I don't listen. I just wish that three films would have been like standardized that way. So that that would be nice, you know. But alas, we cannot get all that we want. Also, we won't be talking about the film because um, avoiding spoilers like the plague. People out there, listen, on the day we were watching the film, the both of us were just like avoiding the internet. Because everyone... Okay, listen, even though if people... Even though people were like trying not to say spoilers, some people say like the vaguest thing. And also seems like spoilers so i'm like never mind there's a lot to spoil that's why there's a lot to spoil yeah I talking mean, okay, about I, it you really have to choose your words like listen carefully. after the film Hannah and i we, we wanted to talk about it so bad but we were in public 
So we couldn't say anything. So the only things we were talking about were like the villains because they appeared in the in the trailers. Yeah, yeah other than that, we were just like, um, you can't say any of this. Like some of you passing by us might be on their way to watch the movie, and if they overheard us, we would have spoiled the film for them. So I don't know. Also, like, can you remember a time where buzz about a film was like this much to the point where people were literally saying don't share any spoilers? Endgame. Other than Endgame? Because I was I was gonna say the only other film I can think of is Endgame and maybe Infinity War. But like outside of the Marvel franchise. Nah, I don't think outside of like Marvel franchise there's such a thing. Star Wars? Not even for Star Wars? No. No. Oh my gosh. Like, the impact of this film. Amazing. Yeah, and I think it's crazy. Yeah. Also, uh, we were just talking about um Disney's monopolizing, monopolization of, like, the film and, like, TV industry. Because it's quite interesting because... At any time, any number of films that are being shown in theatres could be just made under the Disney studio. And I don't know, that that feels really scary to have like one studio produce so much or like take over so much. How much freedom do, I guess, directors and producers have anymore? I mean, in the first place, I think directors don't really have much control because <laughs> they it's really true. they have to live they have to answer to like you know like higher management. Precisely. So I'm just I came across this person who like asked that question on like Twitter. They were saying like it's it's terrifying that everything is owned by Disney now. But okay, so at the same time, right? I remember there was this YouTuber who did this poll. And the poll was, on one day, he asked, what is the worst, um, like, studio? And the everyone voted for Disney. But the next day, he asked, what was the, what is the best studio? And everyone voted for Disney as well. And I think that just sums up the whole thing. Yeah. Because on one hand, right, Disney's monopolization of, like, all these channels and stuff, is like they're literally taking so much. So these channels and I don't know artists, people who produce these films and shows or whatever. Now they are they don't have freedoms. I mean they have to follow whatever Disney says, and I mean it's kind of scary how they're just taking over so much. But on the other hand, like the stuff Disney tends to produce, they're quite good. <laughs> so I'm conflicted. Yeah. <laughs> Disney, I mean, Disney, I can trust Marvel, you know, to do well. Yeah, you're right. I mean... Because they really plan, like, years ahead. Yeah, you're right. And actually. I don't think... I don't think the directors for, like, Marvel films that have that much freedom anyways, because, like, they have to stick to that storyline that Marvel plans, right? Because it has to all be a concise, like uh, no, have to be whole. Uh, have, it has to be like a consistent story. Yeah, I think it, they they have a 
it's even more difficult now for them because of like the fact that there are existing films, right? Yeah. And if you want to introduce more, right, it has to be within the canon of those other films. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why I asked in Eternals, like, they feel so separate and disjointed from everyone else. Yeah, but technically they, I don't know, the only part they mentioned about, like, was about, like, about, like, the like the previous movies that we watched was when, at the start, some, I forgot her name, someone asked her, like, you know, where were you when Thanos was here? Yeah, when the blip happened. Hmm. So I'm just like... So I guess that was the only reference to, like, the other events that happened in other movies. Right, but it's also, like, insane because, like, you have the Eternals which are literally god-like beings, right? And then you have, like, people like Doctor Strange who can literally tear the universe apart. And all this... I mean, in the next um, uh, Doctor Strange film, the upcoming one, it's all about multiple universes. So... Just what, like, you, what is so, Ant-Man gonna do? <laughs> Listen, I am the protector of the Ant Man franchise. Listen, okay, y'all, y'all clowned me when I said that Paul Rudd is a sexy, sexy man, and now he's sexiest man of the year. And y'all are like, oh my god, listen, Ant Man is very important, okay. I don't know how, but he's very important. Without him, no one would have been blipped back anyway. Literally without him, Endgame wouldn't be there. So, um, yes. Anyone out there who is a is a huge supporter of Ant-Man, like, back me up because Ant-Man is an important, sexy man. <laughs> so, Honda, do you have a case for us today yes sadly it's not about spider-man all right (laughs) we're leaving the episode thank you for listening guys (laughs) this is now a spider-man um spider-man stan podcast Podcast. we'll be talking about how much we love this is spider-man and how much i want to fight tom holland tom holland if you're out there i want to fight you meet me in the parking lot it's it's on site bro all right (laughs) okay honda hey for this episode i'm gonna talk about the miyazawa family i have never heard of them also i'm drinking this coffee and it feels like pure poison I think I added too much coffee powder. Your drink choices are only so. I know every fun. every every episode. It's like, what is Chris drinking? And then it's me saying it's poison. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the case happened in Japan on thirty first December in the year two thousand. So the body of 44-year-old Mikio Miyazawa, his 41-year-old wife Yasuko, and their children, uh, 8-year-old Nina and 6-year-old Ray, were discovered by Yasuko's mother, Haruko, at their house in uh, Setagaya, which Mm. is in Tokyo. Okay. Yeah, so 
Mikio, Yasuko, and Nina have been stabbed to death while Ray had been strangled. Oh God. An investigation by the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department concluded that the family had been murdered on the, uh, on the day before, on December 30, at around 11.30pm at night. Okay. Yeah. So the investigators found that the killer entered through the open window of the second floor bathroom at the, behind the house and um, the killer gained access by climbing up a tree and then removing the window screen. And um, once he got in, he used his hand, bare hands to strangle Ray, which was sleeping uh, in, the room, in his room on the second floor. That's like and, a lot of effort to get in. Right. Yeah, so I'm thinking it's either this person has like a grudge against them. Because, okay, I don't know anything about this case because you, you just started, but like, Oftentimes, like, this could be potentially, like, a robbery gone wrong or whatever, right? But, like, if it was, like, a robbery or, like, a house break-in, I think it's too much effort. So, to me, this just sounds like somebody with, like, a vendetta or, like, a personal grudge. Mm, yeah. So, that part is the, the like, interesting part, I guess. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Mikio rushed up to the... um using the stairs after he heard, like, you know, the disturbance in Ray's room. And when he was fighting um, the killer, he was stabbed in the head with a knife. In the head? Yeah. Oh, God, okay. Yeah, so a police report um, stated that part of the blade had actually broke off inside Joe's head. Oh, my God, okay. And then after that, um, the killer then attacked Yasuko and Nina with the broken knife. And then using another knife in, from inside the house to murder them. Okay, being attacked with like a broken knife, I think is 10 times worse. You, know, you have to be stabbed like multiple times since it's yeah. shorter. And like, I don't think it, I mean, a knife is pointed for a reason, right? So a broken mm. knife is not pointed, I guess, that way. I'm I'm imagining it being like broken so that it's a, it's like a vertical <laughs> entry point. It's not pointed, it's like vertical. So it's like if you want to stab, it's really you have to do a lot of damage. Yeah. So what's the most like intriguing part of this case or like the most talked about is what the killer did after the killing. Mm. Yeah. So it said that the killer remained inside the house um, for two to ten hours. So he used the family computer, consumed four bottles of barley tea, melon, and four ice creams from the refrigerator. And he used the toilet and he left his feces in it without flushing. Okay, this he case is coming his back skin. to me. Yeah, so this, that's why this part of the case is the most talked about. So he treated his injuries using the first aid kits and other products he found. And he also took a nap on the sofa in the second floor living. Wow, oh my God. It's been such a long time since I've heard this case. <laughs> my gosh. Okay, yes, yes, yes. This case is very fascinating. You're right. Yeah, so I mentioned that he ate ice cream and mm -hmm. he also had a very particular way of eating ice cream. So he took out the small cups of ice cream from the fridge, but he didn't use a spoon to eat them. So instead, he squeezed the container upwards and proceeded to bite the ice cream. <laughs> I'm not 
not this psychopathic behavior. I really think that people who bite the ice cream, right, <laughs> they are really psychopaths. But this one is like a whole other level. <laughs> like squeezing I, the container. Yeah, I genuinely thought out, that right. maybe you were going to say that he he like just licked it from the container. You know? Mm-hmm. But like you said, he squeezed it out. And that one is, I can't <laughs> deal with that. I'm so sorry. That one is just, no. So the drawers and papers were ransacked and some money was taken, but most of the money had actually been left behind. Okay, yeah. So stick yeah, to the theory so that not, it wasn't like a robbery. Yeah, it's not. Because like, also the entryway, like you wouldn't enter that way if you were trying mm. to like rob a house. Mm. Yeah. So and he also did use the fam- the computer and an analysis of the computer revealed that um it was connected to the internet uh in the morning after the murders at 1 18 a.m. and then again around at 10 a.m. Which oh, was so the time around me. which was the time around Yasko's mother Harko entered the house and discovered the murders. But then um it wasn't he didn't actually stay until 10 a.m. It, uh, investigators thought, um, found, you know, they did several, like, scenario, like, scenarios, mm-hmm. and they found that it's probably, the computer was, like, triggered by probably the mother entering the house. Okay. And she, like, in- accidentally touched the mouse and stuff. Okay, because I was like, he stayed all the way? How did she enter the house if he was there? Yeah, that's why it would have been not possible. Yeah, so... When morning came, um, the mother of um, Yasuko, Haruko, became suspicious after she was unable to call her daughter because mm-hmm. the killer had unplugged the phone line. Mm-hmm. So she visited the house but received no answer after ringing the doorbell. Yeah, so that's when she found the bodies when she entered the house. I always find it interesting how these people have like like intuition to know that something is off because for me if I were to call somebody and they don't pick up after like 10 rings I'll be like oh maybe they don't want to talk to me or like maybe they're busy then I would like want to call them later in the day like I mm. wouldn't go down to the person's house I mean I but, guess this one is her daughter yeah I know but like I, I don't think I would do that but I also I like, think maybe she calls every day so it would yeah. be strange that's why I'm saying like it's it's like a certain intuition that they know something mm. is like off I guess because I can't imagine that being me like for real <laughs> yeah so you know there was actually a lot of evidence and clues that they the police collected of the suspect but they in until now they are no closer to pinpointing who this person is interesting yeah okay so, you know, he he did his business in the family toilet and he didn't mm-hmm. flush it. So, um, they determined that the killer had eaten string beans and sesame seeds the previous day after an- analyzing his feces. <laughs> That's great. That I, remember, I remember the thing about this case was like, they found poop in the toilet bowl, but like, I don't think anything really came of it, right? Yeah, which I found so interesting because, like, the most vivid thing I wrote for this case was the fact that this guy, I'm assuming <laughs> it's a guy, this psychopath who, like, squeezes ice cream out of, like, the tub also doesn't flush. So, 
Like, I don't know if he is knowingly leaving behind his own DNA or like, you know, his bodily stuff. See, that's the thing. Like, I wonder to what... To like tease the police or like he really didn't think about that. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering as well. Like, is this a sen- Is this a case of like ignorance or like overconfidence? Right? right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so on the day of the murder, there was one eyewitness who reported seeing a strange man near the Miyazawa house and said that the man wore a grey, uh, a woven yarn hat and a fanny pack, uh, a scarf with like green, red, black, orange and dark blue pattern, okay. a messy pattern, a black Uniqlo jacket, um, black gloves, a long sleeve t-shirt and white shoes. Quite specific. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but how do you know the jackets from Uniqlo? Uniqlo don't really <laughs> write the brand on the clothes as well. <laughs> because of that information right the police even went to find out like the exact like model of the jacket found that 82,000 like products of that jacket were sold that's not like you can narrow it down either right that's the thing whenever it's like oh okay I I saw some guy wearing like Adidas shoes like after like a crime scene (laughs) if they were to go find the that that like from the manufacturer about those Adidas shoes, it's going to be like a, a billion people have it. So how are you going to find that person? Which is why like cases where people who have like unique items, right, do something stupid and then don't like, <laughs> I guess, cover it up well and eventually get found. I'm like, it's because you have a unique item. Or like I had a tattoo. Or like, like I had a tattoo, like something that's like hack, identifiable. Interesting haircut, yeah. Precisely. So if this Uniqlo jacket, for example, had like, I don't know, yellow paint on it, I think, or it was limited edition, there was only like five created in the world, that would make life easier. But like, when you say generic things like, oh, it was a black Uniqlo jacket, like, the police are not going to be able to find out who the actual person is. This is not CSI, (laughs) where they narrow it down to like this one specific shop in like, a very, I don't know, remote area where the population in the town is like five people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he also left behind like a hip bag and trace of mound of sand was also found inside the bag. Mm. And analysis determined that um, the sand came from the Nevada desert yeah, more, more specific, specifically in the area of Edwards Air Force Base in California. <laughs> I don't know how they determine it's from the Nevada Desert. Who was this killer? Like someone from killer. Doctor Strange's universe? Like <laughs> the open portals? Oh my gosh, okay, what is happening? Okay. Yeah, so they also found the killer's DNA and fingerprints throughout the house, but nothing matched the database. So, which says that, you know, the killer doesn't have a criminal record, at least in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. So, physically, the killer is believed to be around 170 centimeters and thin built. 
Mm-hmm. And they estimate that Killer was born between 1965 and 1985. So 15 to 35 years old at the time. Okay. Yeah, so they determined that due to the physicality needed to enter the house the way they thought he entered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they also found that, you know, because he also left like blood, his own blood behind. Just kind of they, leaving ev- everything. Yeah, and they also found that he, it was, the blood left behind was from like a right hand. So I think when he was holding the knife, they could determine ah. like the angle and whatever. So it, Yeah, indicated that the killer is likely to be right-handed. Okay. So many right-handed skinny men out there too. <laughs> oh my god. It just reminds me like, oh, the killer has two eyes, one nose, one mouth. <laughs> Amazing. Case closed. <laughs> That's funny because like if you're a short chubby dude, um, <laughs> they won't look at you. <laughs> They look at you and you're like, mm, there's no way you crawl through that window. <laughs> yeah, well, the killer's blood did kind of reveal more interesting information. So mm. they analyzed the blood and um, they determined that it was type A. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, did not belong to anyone in the family. And though the... Quite interesting, actually. The DNA analysis revealed that the killer is possibly mixed race and male. Okay, so you were right. We were like misgendering this dude the entire time. Um, yeah, okay. I think I remember something vaguely about the killer most like possibly being mixed race because I think there was a theory that said that this would allow him to leave the country, which is also mm. like one of the reasons why they probably wouldn't, they, they couldn't find him. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, this so is under the, the assumption of... he's like mixed and like, you know, yeah. has lived overseas or whatever because not not all mixed people. Mm. There know? are mixed people in Japan too. Yeah, precisely. So, Yeah. So when analyzing the DNA, they found that the maternal DNA, I don't know what to call it, DNA strand, mm-hmm. indicated um, the, ma- the mother of the killer was of European descent, possibly from a South European country near the Mediterranean. Or, okay. Yeah. And the paternal DNA indicating a father of East Asian descent. Okay. So it's considered, but even though you know, they found that he's mixed race. It, um, they determined that it's most probably from a distant ancestor instead of like a full, fully European mother. Oh, okay. So there's a possibility this person isn't like, I mean, okay, I don't know how to say this. What if people come for me? Okay, wait, so... <laughs> Essentially, the the ancestry could have been like, like a grandmother kind of thing. Yeah. So that his European DNA is not recent. It's like... Oh. Yeah. So analysis of the Y chromosome showed that the haplogroup OM122, a common haplogroup, Whatever that is, distribute is um distributing East Asian people appearing in 
one in four or five Koreans, one in 10 Chinese, and one in 13 Japanese. Okay, so, so what does that mean? With a particular DNA. most likely Korean? I mean, it's just like a gene thing. Oh, okay. We don't, we don't know how science works. We don't. <laughs> but it's the Y chromosome. So it's the the father. Only the men carry Y chromosome. Right? XY means men, male. XX yeah, 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 means yeah. female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the Y, the one who carries the Y chromosome is the men. So when analyzing the father's lineage, they they found that gene. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm having like a sec five <laughs> science lesson all over again. But okay. <laughs> yeah. So these results that the uh, Tokyo Police Department to like seek assistance through the uh, International Criminal Police Organization. You know. Interpol. To, yeah. To you know, just in case the killer may not be in Japan or mm, like, okay, know. yeah. So this investigation is like one of the largest in Japan. Involved over two hundred forty-six thousand and forty-four investigators who have collected over twelve thousand five hundred forty-five pieces of evidence. Holy guacamole! He left a lot of sh- <laughs> I almost said he left a lot of shit behind, but he really did leave shit. <laughs> Your snort. <laughs> You're right, I didn't leave a lot of shit behind. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh. His, his shit was fully analyzed. <laughs> Nothing came of it. He, oh, God. He ate string beans. <laughs> he ate string beans. <sighs> Yeah, in 2015, it was reported that 40 officers were assigned to the case full-time. Still? Yeah, I know, right? And like, in was 2019, it 15 years later? They still have, yeah. like, wow. And then in 2019, it was reported that 35 officers are still assigned to the case. So probably officers that are, like, more focused on cold cases, I guess. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like... At some point, you that- have to stop. So that yeah. you can focus the manpower on like existing cases. Yeah, but two thousand also is not that long ago, right? Maybe that's like twenty one years ago. True. It's like way too long, really. Like I, I, I'm also not sure about like Japan's statute of limitations, but twenty one years seems like pretty long. Yeah. Yeah, so every year the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department makes a pilgrimage to the house for memorial ceremonies. Yeah, okay. so they still, you know, pay their respects to the to mm-hmm. the victims. Yeah. And in 2019, the police department actually announced that the house would be torn down because of its risk of collapsing. Because of how old the house was. But yeah. then um, the move is appealed by the family and supporters. So it still remains standing. 
Okay. So actually quite recently, like two days ago, um, in an interview, so the mother the mother of Miyazawa Mikio, which is like the father of that family, mm-hmm. um, Miyazawa Setsuko, who is 90 years old. Oh wow. Said oh, that, yeah. Said that, you know, she wants to see the case get closer to being solved. And that is all I want before I die. I'm so sorry, but it's been 21 years. Yeah, but it's also her her son and then her grandchildren. Yeah. And then like okay. she'll never see it getting close to, to being solved until yeah. you know, she, she probably Okay, dies. to be fair, although I sound quite pessimistic, there have been cases where like after a long, 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 long period of time, like a breakthrough has happened. You know, like freaking Golden State Killer. That was so long, but they managed to get the guy. So, I mean, there's that. But at the same time, I think practically we have to like consider things like the amount of taxpayer money that's going into this investigation. And it's been 21 years and they're like no closer to it. And what about reallocating that manpower to like existing cases that we need it, you know? Yeah, I mean, hopefully, like, the killer's DNA would suddenly pop up again. Yeah, also, like, with the hope that with more advanced technology, you know, and, like, perhaps because it's been through probably several different groups of, like, officers who have looked at the case, maybe, like, somebody with, like, fresh eyes notice or something. Mm. Yeah, in cases like this, like, I really do hope that eventually the families can find closure or get closure because as you mentioned like children were killed as well and yeah. I think the disappointing thing is also the fact that there was so much evidence and yet like it's so difficult to find out who did it yeah I mean, the killer is probably still young. Yeah. I mean, right. 15 to 35, right? Was the age group. So maybe oldest, he'll be 50. Right? Yeah. And you know, like how we've discussed other cases about how, actually there was one case that we talked about. Um, Like, recently in America, a lot of people like to submit the DNA to like ancestry website mm, yeah. and then one killer was actually caught because they traced um, someone's like relative through yeah golden and state and they found the killer through that yeah sorry so i mean that that is not really popular in japan but like if the killer resides outside of japan and has relatives outside of japan hopefully you know mm. one day in the future yeah you can find out also, like in in the case of like the Golden State Killer, the one I feel I genuinely feel like it was really, really a stroke of luck. Yeah, right. Like the sequence of events that led up to his arrest is just insane. Like how, like you just so happen to have somebody doing like a DNA like ancestry shit like 23 and me or whatever it's called and then finding out that like your grandfather is a <laughs> killer like a notorious killer it's just wow 
yeah, it's the story of the Miyazawa family. And hopefully there'll be an update in the future. Yeah. Well, thanks for the story, Honda. I completely forgot that I knew about this case. <laughs> I think I think I it's because it's been such a long time and the only I I think in several episodes I've talked about like uh, a Japanese unsolved case where somebody like pooped in the toilet. I think, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, most people I think they would be like, "Oh, I've heard of this case." Because that's a bizarre detail of the killer staying in a house. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember the the fact that like he stayed, like he literally lived in the house for quite a bit, mm. and then, oh gosh. I think the new information of tonight that's highly disturbing is the way he eats ice cream because, oh God, I can't relate. I mean, I literally <laughs> melt my ice cream and drink it like into water. It's not water, it's water. It's like yo- yogurt, cream. It becomes no. just cream. <laughs> it's water. It's- <laughs> uh, well yes thanks Honda um, yeah we hope that hopefully in the future the near future hopefully this case can get solved so that you know the family can can find peace and you know some resolution mm-hmm if you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at HGU Podcast. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week for the Christmas special. So look forward to that. Bye. Bye.